You're listening to the Physics Ed Podcast. For hundreds of ideas, free experiments and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. And now, here's your host, Ben Newsom. Welcome again for another Physics Ed Podcast. Glad to have you again. And in this particular chat, we are hanging out with someone who I very much respect when it comes to making STEM truly happen, like really happen. I want you to take the time to listen deeply to what Adam Lowe has to say about making STEM projects happen with community partners. He is the director of the University of Alaska Fairbanks Upward Bound Program, and he's also the director of T3 Alaska. Now, T3 stands for Teaching Through Technology, which is an amazing program which is really involving an amazing number of students in producing real STEM outcomes for their community through the T3 Alliance. He is such a passionate educator. He loves doing these community education projects and he has an extensive experience in making all sorts of curriculum support STEM technologies and service learning just through the T3M Alliance and through the Modern Blanket Toss National Science Foundation grants. He has worked as a teacher in makerspaces and all sorts of places and trust me, he really knows what he's talking about because in 2008, he was named Science Teacher of the Year for the state of Alaska. So without any further ado, please listen to Adam Lowe and learn a little bit about making STEM happen for your community. This is the Physics Ed Podcast. We're all about science, ed tech and more. To see 100 fun free experiments you can do with your class, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. And click 100 free experiments. Mate, really happy to have a chat with you. We hung out uh, only a couple of weeks ago now. Gosh, it's only a month ago in Florida. Wasn't that some fun? That was fun. That was great. <laughs> so, uh, look, you've been heavily involved in STEM in many years. Uh, and we've, we've gotten to know each other, but not everyone has had a chance or a privilege to uh, meet you yet. So, uh, Adam, tell me a bit of who are you? What do you do? All that sort of thing. Well, thank you. Uh Okay, so I am a a, a lifelong educator. I, I I started out as a as a geologist actually, and and very shortly into geology, I recognized that 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 the most fun you had in geology was was sometimes helping the other people in the office to who were you know learning to do GIS and use different kinds of technologies, and and I I converted my my focus there into being. Um, a high school science teacher or a middle school science teacher and that 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 process of knowing what it was needed in industry and and how the geology world was always looking for ways of of telling the story of 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 the land around us um kind of brought me down the pathway of 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 getting into place-based education and that led from from I had the good fortune of getting to teach in in South America for a few years at international schools, um, and then coming back and teaching in a rural Alaska community, a small fishing community where where um, you know the students from that community were either going to go up and be fishermen, making money like their parents were, or some of them wanted to get out of town. And what was always fascinating is how students that are from a town think that oh if i could just get out of this town then i'd really get to see stuff and it was it was as i moved to different places south america or alaska or then after alaska i moved and taught in a, in a rural 
community uh, culturally focused charter school in Hawaii for a number of years, where, where in all of those environments, the students had this perspective that somehow where they were wasn't as cool as where it could be outside of us. And, um, you know, really taken education and saying, what can we do in our science class to understand the world around us? And that, that involves, um, you know, sensors when you have sensors it involves field trips when you have field trips it involves community partners when you can talk to community partners and get them to be part of the story and then the part that that i think um you know eventually led to some awards and recognitions for me was that i recognize that researchers are craving opportunities to be partnering with students in in in, in communities so when i would get my students to the point where they could pick up a phone and call the university noticing this out here or hey we're we're uh, excited about this can we talk more about this then then the floodgates started opening up of research opportunities and i'd i'd say my my first kind of kind of explosion into the world of of uh doing partnerships with research organizations happened with uh with 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 a grant on utilizing methane our biogas digesters to to you know collect food scraps and and put it all in a thing to to be able to offset the the food or the the propane costs at our our local cafeteria and and students co-wrote a grant that 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 was for you know, $250,000. It was enough to make those students go around the state giving presentations, talking about things. And and it was during that time that, uh, you know, I, I got to meet some of the state leaders in different education areas. And as a just a science teacher from a small town, people remember those teachers who who get get out and do connected things. And it was um was was during my my following time in in um in Hawaii, teaching at a different environment, where I was asked to be part of uh, this new program called the Modern Blanket Toss, and and you know for a little context, and I know you haven't asked me any questions, but I'm going to go through the story <laughs> of how it got to where we are right now because I think uh, I think it, it's it's contextual and it's really got powerful things within it. Um, the 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 Modern Blanket Toss was a program that was operated by um, the program that I now work for. Um, and I guess I should share that I'm the director of the Upward Bound program at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. Upward Bound, for those of you who don't know, is a is a is a federally funded program to help underserved high school students um, go to college. And and we're first generation, low income um, and there's a lot of programs across the United States uh, and in the U.S. territories. Um, but in this particular connection back to that story, my, my predecessor, the one who ran the Upward Bound program before here, um, had written a National Science Foundation grant saying, hey, let's try drones as a method to help students get excited about going into a STEM career field. And he uh, the, the program we, we operate here has 10 high schools around Alaska that we work with. They're rural high schools. And, and they said five of them will get the treatment. Five of them will get drones and get teacher training and all this awesome stuff. And five of them will, and we'll study the difference. And of course, when students were working on those kind of projects, they brought me in as a curriculum expert outside person to help help the teachers know how to partner with community members to 
to get students using the drones for more than just flying them around and being like, oh, cool. It was let's fly and 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 find out whether people fall into the, you know, the open lake holes with snow machines or whether or not we have floods, you know, dangers or things like that. And that was so significant, um, the results from it there that the National Science Foundation asked asked um, our predecessor to submit another grant that was called Teaching Through Technology. Um, and that one is about taking that same principle, the same use some growth mindset, um, learn your tech skills, and then apply things in a community in a community engagement setting. And it, it took that, um, that idea and brought it to 32 other upward bound programs spread across the United States, Puerto Rico, the Marshall Islands, and other places. And it was, uh, it's been about 10 years um, between when the modern blanket toss started to the three years of this National Science Foundation grant that 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 essentially brought tech equipment to all these different places, brought teacher trainings. And in each one of those different communities around the country, there were groups of, of, of educators essentially um, finding ways for students to be engaging with their community. And I'd say the the, the one little twist that makes it different than other programs I've heard of is that um, is that built into that grant and built into what has continued on since then is the idea that you keep a little bit of of uh, of of flexible funding built into that into that program so that students in those sites can write their own mini grants. After we go through the design thinking process to learn to listen, to empathize with the community partners, with people in the community who you just learn to find, they just come out of the woodworks when you got a group of students who are excited about stuff. But somewhere along that pathway, after you define the problem, after you ideate on what could possibly we do, there's this moment where, oh, I'm gonna have to build that. Where do I get the funding to build that and if they learn the process of writing a mini grant and actually promising what the deliverables will be I promise to make a video I promise to do all this other stuff then then that that's the part that that just grows when other sites see this uh, when other community partners see this they say I want more of that um, I can say that in the three years since the National Science Foundation has been finished, the program has continued to survive, which usually for National Science Foundation grants, when the grant funding is over, it's like, yeah. okay, the program's done. But the fact that it's still going, that there's now a nonprofit that that orchestrates a lot of the, you know, um, the, the curriculum, the, the training helps, helps make sure that um, when we need to buy more equipment that we use, and it's, it's out there, um, then, then that's, that's something to be said. And, and I, I mentioned T3 Alliance, so you can go find out about that on the T3Alliance.org website. And there's there's a, a wonderful group of people, including you, Ben, who are on the board of directors, who are all in some aspect of how do we make education work in our world for the communities that we're dealing with. And I, I, I feel like, you know, the underserved community is, is so important to focus on because oftentimes you know, when we think of education, of STEM education, it's like, hey, we'll make an awesome science camp and then somebody's got to pay for it. So the rich kids end up going to those things and get this amazing experience. And then, you know, we, we have a, a separation between, you know, those who've been through that pathway and others. Yeah, oh, it's amazing. And what a journey, by the way. 
<laughs> and yeah, uh, and a lot to unpack in some ways, but gee, there's a couple of things in there which I think that every educator globally could really get into. I mean, how often do we as adults go and find the grant, go and do the thing, the grant finishes, and we move on with our lives till the next grant round opportunity turns up. I mean, I have these conversations, frankly, every couple of weeks <laughs> with different places in different ways. What I love about what the whole thing about what you're doing is partnering with research organizations and getting the students, here's an idea, the students pick up the phone. Now, that is actually challenging for a start. Uh, to get the kids to literally pick up a phone, especially coming from a small town. I'm from a small town. And like, you, you kind of know people and the people you don't know is like, oh, do I want to call them? <laughs> but getting them to actively be in charge of their mm -hmm. learning and their outcomes, that totally. is so cool. So, so Ben, I think this is where, you know, when I, I saw a few of the stories of what you've done with physics education and other things, I, I I'm reminded of what, good science education or good just education does it helps a student feel safe to be themselves and to be doing things it's like we're going to break down the barriers of there's the the grades that you have to work for or break down the barriers of 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 you know only certain smart people can do coding or yeah. whatever and and it's it's a journey it, i i'd say that that when I start or when the, when the T3 program in its evolved state right now, when we start with a new community, it is very much like, like we're at the baseline earning badges. We're building, we're building baseline stuff. We, we build a computer. We start with this, this, um, this toothbrush robot, it's called a brush bot. And, 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 you know, you, you give it to students, it'll talk to them a little bit about having a growth mindset and, and, and then as they are successful in building that, the, the cheerleader part of you, you know, turns in to helping them celebrate and feel like they were just a winner. We, we try to really cultivate that culture in the classroom to make sure that everyone in the classroom feels like we're listening for words that are, you know, downers, the ones that will, will make you not feel safe in this environment. And, and I have found that, you know, um, you know, there are communities where we walk into um, that have have a larger amount of historical trauma that they're dealing with and dealing with, you know, teachers coming in and talking to them in the ways that you and I can get excited and talk to them. It, it we use all our skills to 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 make it fun and make it enjoyable and make it so that 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 ultimately they feel safe there. And then scaffolding that with, okay, what's the next project where I know, that I'm going to allow them to struggle. I'm going to allow them to feel a little bit like, oh man, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to ask somebody and it's cool. We're asked somebody. And then after you get that to a certain point, it's like you're watching someone's self-confidence rise and you're watching someone's, you know, um, you know, just ability to affect change. And when they write the first mini grant that's in that process and they write it for the classroom or they write it for their own house, like being able to go home to your mom and say, um, grandma can't turn the light switch on because she can't walk very well, but I know how to turn a raspberry Pi into a, into a voice activated light switch. Let me write the $134 mini grant to set that up. And then now that kid is a hero in their own house. So you got to think in terms of, uh, well, and this is partly with the, the 
the power of the Upward Bound program. It is it is a four year commitment. When a student signs up in you know the end of eighth grade, we take them all the way through high school. And that first year, we recognize you know you're probably not going to be that student who's going to call up a researcher. But by the time year number three has happened and you've had five times that you've won along the way, you know that you've got had celebrations. That's that's part of what you can control as an educator is you know. If you, if you hold an event and you make sure that group of students are really excited about presenting and the people who come to that event are the people who that kid cares about, then, then you can watch that kid puff out their chest and be like, all right, I'm a leader and I have made a difference in this community. And that is a drug. That is a drug yeah. that all of us hope that those students keep drinking and get, and then say, my gosh, that might lead to a college education. It might lead to me going and running for political office someday or starting a company that ends up doing, you know, like physics education all over the country and helping break down the barriers between science and those kind of things. So I, I, I feel like the researchers like working with us because they're like, hey, I fly into this small Alaska community or some other community and I have my cool project I'm working. Maybe it's a wind turbine. Maybe it's like a new, you know, thing to monitor earthquakes or something. And, you know, usually they're left at, okay, if I ask nicely, I might get into the, you know, to the high school gymnasium and I can give a presentation. And then my presentation happens. And then I say, bye, everybody. I hope I've inspired you to be a science person later on. But the other side of it is that if there's a small group who has chosen, who has chosen, and that's something we we have done in Alaska, um, we've kind of blurred the Upward Bound program with these other funding agencies who have said, I like what you're doing. I want to expand it so that we can serve more than the 10 schools, more than the 160 students that my national science, or no, it's a Department of Education grant that funds most of what my job is, but um, outside agencies are able to 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 pay and help facilitate more of those kind of experiences and broaden that opportunity so that we can have other communities that are following the um, that that same pathway. And then for the researchers who are you know investing in that or the research entities, the Department of Defense or, you know, National Science Foundation or other groups, they get the benefit of knowing that the the long-term investment of that of that group of students there, we track them over those four years. So we're checking their grades, we're checking, you know, are you doing your FAFSA? The the in FAFSA is the national US, you know, thing for getting free college money, um, if you want to go on, but we, we do a, a number of things that are meant to help the social and emotional well being of students as they, as they try to transition from a world where college wasn't in their radar, or, you know, being a scientist wasn't really their, their experience into that expectation. And then, and then, Again, it's the power of moments thing when you can get that scientist to be like, oh my gosh, I have a Zoom call with a group of students in in Sitka um, and we're going to talk about the thing I love, then everybody wins. That group of students in Sitka walks around all the rest of the day going, oh man, I just talked to a scientist. And that scientist is like, I just got to work with a group of students and the teacher and wow, do I feel great about my job. So I, I, I do feel like 
in my work now, it's evolved from being the science teacher to being the matchmaker who just helps science teachers realize how important and awesome they are in their community and helps, you know, like, like uh, the research world or the other funding world, people recognize how valuable the science teachers and administrators are. Because I, I will say one of the brilliant things that that John Monahan, the guy who who you know um, wrote the Modern Blanket Toss and the NSF, um, you know, teaching through technology grant, he said you always need to have three things that go into a T3 program or a modern Blake test. One is you need administrative buy-in. If you're a renegade science teacher sitting out there trying to do place-based learning, except, you know, you don't have any support for field trips. You don't have any support for, you know, your class looking messy because when you get kids doing actual projects, it's like, you know, hard to say what the day will look like on day 27 of your class, because the students might be building something that they interviewed somebody and said it needs to happen. So your superpower as a teacher goes into, let me, you know, design ways to make, um, make sure that I'm still meeting the objectives of, of my curriculum. Um, and, and let me make sure that the students are, are having that emotional feeling of, of, of winning when they get a chance to work on things. Oh, for sure. I mean, like I was just thinking about the, um, really, there's a certain uh, training in audacity, <laughs> which is, is occurring, which I think is fantastic. I mean, we often hear about solutionary thinking and all that sort of thing, which is incredibly important, but it's so out there and so far removed from the kids' day-to-day -day life uh, that unless they're empowered, unless they're given a scaffold of meaning and several years behind them, well, we're kind of just making stuff up. But I love the idea that students by the end of this, yeah, of course, the idea is that they get into a college place and they grow as you know, you know, members of the community you know, of high value to themselves and to the community. But we're really changing your mindset. When you really think about, it. yes, it's a STEM program in a lot of ways, but the the ability for a kid to write out a mini grant. I mean, gosh, I know adults, plenty of adults who, who, who struggle with the idea of writing out a grant in some way, shape, or form. They to put the, put their ideas on the line and get the money to make it happen. You're talking seventeen year olds, eighteen year olds. You're talking kids that are really significantly. Okay, hey, you talk about the mini grants. It's not huge amounts of money to be able to help grandma who can't turn the light on but then at the same point not that long ago we described a major program with methane <laughs> of all things yeah. i mean that, and that's a significant thing i mean that's that's some serious money um, yeah. to be able to do stuff so the, these kids are coming out with a skill set at the administrative side without even realizing it Right. And as an upward bound director, I always have to be looking back at, am I meeting my grants objectives, which says you need to teach, you know, reading, writing and math, yeah. you know, in some part. And so in a way, managing a spreadsheet, managing the statistics that come out of any kind of research project, managing the stuff that happens with a, a well done grant, a well done community project. I can hit those things and and with a straight face say that, yep, we're, we're meeting those those objectives and goals. But I know that that the part that's hardest in teaching is to measure the the and it's been called soft skills. You know, mm. how do we empathize? How do we truly listen to our community members? How do we listen to each other in our class? How do we work as a team to solve a problem? Those are the things that can be built into a healthy 
you know, emotionally relevant program. And, and I found that, you know, what my skill is in, or, or what I try to train teachers to do is use your power to look for community partners who are perfect people to come in and share and they need a little bit of training so they have some context because i have had community partners who come in and think great i got a class full of students who are going to do my job for me so i'm just going to tell them all what to do and that that falls flat on the face um so they come in and they share the story of what they're really struggling with in their you know in their their industry or in their topic and you know this summer we we um Every year, part of the Upward Bound program, there's a six-week summer program that, that to me, is like, that's your in-depth training. That's your in-depth practice and, and stuff of, of students getting to live together, learn how to you know partner with community members, learn the technologies, learn how to set up things in a makerspace, all that kind of stuff. But part of it is you know helping the community partners come in and say, I'm dealing with issues in renewable energy with microgrids, and I don't know how to communicate with community members in ways that'll make things, you know, happen. So they don't tell the student what they need to do. They just throw out the problem sets that they're dealing with, and the students wrestle and try to unpack and define, and they go down a pathway of, hey, we need to call somebody from you know, the Department of Energy, or we need to do research here, we need to do this kind of stuff, and kind of unpack it into a process that, that, that grows from there. So yeah, I, I think that, you know, the, the barriers that, that are out there, first and foremost, are, you know, do you work in an environment as, as a teacher, as an educator, where you feel supported in that. And what's happened here at the university level now, as these students that I've worked with the last 10 years have gotten to college, they've come with this attitude of, hey, I can do stuff. I'm curious about a topic. I want to do stuff. So it's been fun to watch as the engineering 100 entry-level engineering class has redefined itself so that it has space for students to work on projects with community partners as part of that entry-level course and and it's it's a paradigm shift from the old i'm a sage on the stage and you're going to do the labs i tell you what to do it's more like here's three hundred dollars you need to work with a partners and community members to figure out something that you're proposing and you're going to own the solution and the presentation and the report and the data that comes along with it it's like you've taken the senior design thesis that normally comes at the end of a four-year engineering degree and you've put it into you know, year one, but secretly it's been part of the high school experience going forward. So those students who have already, you know, been in that, they're like, all right, I feel good about this. And we'll run. <laughs> well, this is amazing. And actually, when you think about um, the focus when we're running our lessons, well, the focus is the kids in a lot of ways. However, just bringing in a community partner, focusing on them for a moment is important because I can imagine exactly what you're describing the having someone who may or may not be a dud, so to speak, we can help them with their mindset itself. I mean, it'd be interesting having an executive from a major corporation coming in and even allowing them to be openly vulnerable to say, I got myself a problem and I kind of, don't want to admit it, but we do. And our problem is significant. And it's like this itch I can't scratch. 
can you do that for me students? Which is an interesting even idea even to consider because I mean, you'd often pay someone who's got 30 years experience and bucket of letters after their name to solve said problem. And now you're dealing with students in college or, or high school um, and saying, hey, I've got myself a problem. And lo and behold, every now and then the kids actually genuinely solve it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that is after I, I, I was with you in um, in, in Florida, I, I ended up going to a national um, uh, conference in 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 uh, in Oregon or a regional conference in Oregon. And then I went to Hawaii where I got a chance to meet with one of the um, one of a, it's a venture capitalist investment group that that does stuff in the aquaculture industry. And it was fascinating listening to him um, sharing that in their job, they are looking for the entrepreneurs, the ones who can make tech transfer. And then they like to invest in that group of individuals. So they're doing all sorts of stuff where they bring in people, they call it an accelerator program. And then they say, Oh, I see you look like a good idea. I'm going to give you lots of energy and focus and training. And then I'm going to help you build your idea into a, a, a million dollar something. But what, what, comes to mind there is a lot of my experience has been with researchers who have existing federal grants where there's a part of that grant that says I need to do outreach after I do my work mm -hmm. and so to them t3 or a connected group of high school students no problem that's great but the industry partners the ones who are saying I'm trying to grow a uh, you know um, a a shellfish growing organ operation here in Alaska that's never been done before. And I'm running into all sorts of problems. Now that's a partner that when they come and meet with that group of students, and it's great to have national big partners, you know, ones who are like, I'm all over the place. But when, when we think of like starting small, just like we start in our, our, our classroom and then work our way up, the ones who are local who can come and sit in your classroom and say, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a farmer and climate is changing and I just cannot keep on top of it. So I'm going to have to, you know, think of something different and I, I'm, I'm fresh out of ideas. Can I bring you to my farm, show you around and let you guys work on this? And then that invitation is like your, your human connection there. And I've, I've tried, you know, capturing videos and things like that of people from faraway places talking about the importance of measuring methane in rural Alaska because it is a big issue. But the more powerful ones happen when there's somebody that you're, you know, connected with. And when mm. we come to a summer program or we come to a big conference or one of those things, that's when a keynote person or, you know, as we as we as we organize ourselves better craft those messages for the sticky problems that are facing our industry, then I think, you know, as students move up that pipeline, they get better and better at listening, forming groups and, and, and drafting up grants that go way beyond the mini grant ideas oh, that we're doing there. For sure. And it gets me thinking about where does this all lead? So oh. did you, I mean, when you've got so many sites doing so many individual things, Right. And loosely st stitched together under T3 Alliance and Upward Bound and doing all this sort of stuff. Right. Where, like, there's 10 years down the track now. So, what if we go 10 years again? Like, yeah. where does this go next? 
Oh, where would it go next? Oh, I love that question. And and I, I do think of myself as a futurist, you know, as 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 a teacher, you have to do that. You have to be saying, I see this group of students in front of me. Where could we be a year from now if if everything worked out perfectly? And what's those barriers to make it happen? But as you know, I look at, you know, first Alaska, because that's where I am. And that's where I am directly connected to the 14 schools around Alaska, some of which have been, you know, grant funded, some of which are paying for themselves to be part of, you know, a T3 site. I, I want every state, every region, every place around our country to have um, the kind of local you know, regional or orchestration that 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 I watch happen in other healthy organizations, like the the Trio Association. That's the one that runs all the upward bound programs. It's like the network, the club of upward bound programs, and they've got ones for each state, and then they have ones for regions, and then they have a national one. Um, T three is already sort of doing that with you know, there's T three Alaska, there's T three Hawaii, there's T three England, T three Australia at some point, you know, and in each one of those. Um, you know, having a really good core, um, you know, uh, product and our product being impact, you know, that, that we know that with this set of, of activities, loosely done set of activities with this kind of, uh, technique of, 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 of delivering it, um, you know, creating that safe emotional learning environment, um, then, then, then it can, grow into what it looks like in its own community and as we think of it moving more from you know it's like a few orchestrated things to national hubs or international hubs doing cool things then when we have conferences it's like a big learning fest where students presenting about work they're doing when educators present about ways they've done it in different ways i mean we we need to have enough constraint on it so that you know we don't lose our 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 you know uh, our control on what we call quality when you know i i've 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 learned as a teacher and as an outsider that just because we call a site a T3 site and we run in there and send them a bunch of equipment, it doesn't equate to a healthy T3 program. Defining what a healthy T3 program, I think, is is you know that's that's the role that 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 T3 Alliance is is doing right now, and they're getting more and more and more uh, on that. But yeah. you know, as as each individual community tweaks it slightly and makes it different then it's going to have its its flavor and I, I i think we're adaptable enough to be able to incorporate you know things like what you're doing with those you know awesome shows that happen and and pull students in to get them kind of hooked and i i you know i i just look forward to not being too much in control but being enough in control to say that that we can envision a time when we're collaborating working and and creating as many pathways for students to be um you know moving into a meaningful contribution to the world that they live in oh and massive that means if you're going to college or not it just means i want to do something that's important and feel good about it a hundred percent and you're right as you think about the structure that's already been established and my gosh there's there is some good structure there really is and so if you really are curious just type in t3 alliance into any film or search thing you'll find it <laughs> you'll find the information because it has that capacity to do global good. Mm -hmm. It really does. I mean, what I like about it is that um, it, it's the 
it's okay. It's a, it's a throwaway saying, think globally, act locally, but that's exactly what's actually going on here. Uh, because when you've got a rigorous training, so to speak for the educators involved, uh, but loose enough for local things to happen with local community partners, that's going to grow quickly. When you, sort of, when you sort of think about it. Absolutely. So, no, 100%. So I'm actually just thinking then from an advice standpoint, just say they're in Vietnam somewhere because <laughs> we didn't, because we didn't list that country. So it came to my head. So Vietnam it is. <laughs> so, so Vietnam and there's someone listening going, you know what? I really would like to do this sort of work and I don't know the first step. What would that be? What would be the advice for, for someone who's, super passionate, but needs help and guidance on that first step. What would that be? Yeah, boy. Um, you know, I'd, I'd say going and, and just clicking through the T3 Alliance website will give you more education on, you know, the story that we've unpacked and what I've shared here and in, in today and learning from books, learning from, from if, if place-based education, if meaningful, you know, um, you know, how do I empower students to do things that are in this, in this kind of pathway of what we've been talking about today? I'd say first, you know, educate yourself to the point where you can bring an administrator in with this because, because by yourself, you can be a renegade, my own private Idaho kind of teacher, you know, where it's like, I'm going to close my little classroom. And I think many, many amazing elementary school teachers are in this boat. You know, it's like, hey, I can make a mini society. I can make all sorts of stuff and they'll figure it out. But, um, you know, when you're in a high school or a collegiate environment, there's a lot of structures and constraints there in administration that's been meant intentionally to make it so that the ship doesn't move very quickly, very easily. But that's not to say that there isn't a lot of brain research and there isn't a lot of, you know, data supporting the power of these kinds of, of, of movements. And, you know, there's other examples of programs that do similar things. Project Lead the Way, you know, um, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know all of, all of the ones right off the top of my head, because I live, breathe T3, but I know that, that if, if becoming more, you know, effective in the work that you do as students um, is your goal, then getting the, 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 the structures that help, you know, make students feel safe in that learning environment, figuring out what are those, you know, uh, check marks as, as, as students get up to that uh, capacity level to where they know how to use some technologies and and students you know we we know for it's it's an old adage of you know can't figure out your vcr show it to a student or can't figure out a phone show it to a student you know kind of thing well allow them to feel that superpower of i know technology i could figure it out and and then and then you know it's like a how do we engage with our community and and the more that you start down that pathway small make a difference in your school make a difference in your in your town make a difference at your own home you'll 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 kind of build that 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 social uh fluency that 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 turns into all right i'm ready to go and 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 make a difference and i i can be found through the t3 alliance website if you if you want to you know poke me with some questions at some time or other, but um, I, I say the biggest part is, you know, there's a lot of 
bureaucratic things out there in education that make it so that you feel like, oh, I'm just going to survive on the edge and just do what I can in isolation. And I was like that for a while until somebody gave me an award. And then all of a sudden I got people asking, hey, how did you do that? And 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 running under the radar and trying to do things in your own private Idaho is not as, just tell people, hey, this is what I'm intending to do. I want to get partners in there and do cool things. And, and the best bit is that once you get uh, those minds in a room, good things yeah. happen. Good they things just, happen. They just do. Adam, it's so good to have a bit of a chat with you uh, at the end of this week. I'm really inspired. And uh, I need to, um, I don't know, I have to have a, a tea or something to calm down. Because <laughs> I'm thinking about this, all the different ways that this can sort of go. Again, I love that the students are contacting the research organizations. I love that they're writing their mini grants. I love that this is a multi-year process to get kids empowered to be audacious. And actually think, you know what, I can be a leader in my community. I don't care. I'm going to do it. That to me is a good thing because we need that. And I mean, yeah. these, these kids have a brain, they've got hands, they've got the ability to make stuff and affect change. They just need to know they can. And that's what T3 is doing. It's permission oh, slips. Yep. Yeah. Permission slips. That's it. <laughs> Maybe you should call this episode permission slips. How do you do it? <laughs> but uh, no, it, it's, 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 it's very, very, very powerful. And uh, I know that the work that you're doing in Alaska is, is profound. And certainly um, I'm very curious to see what happens next. All right. Well, I look forward to it. Anytime you want to chat, I'm happy to chat with you here. Yeah. So uh, thanks very much, Adam. Have a fantastic day. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. We hope you've been enjoying the Physics Ed podcast. We love making science make sense. Why don't you book us for a science show or workshop in your school? If you're outside of Australia, you can connect with us via a virtual excursion. See our website for more. Well, how about that? Speaking with Adam Lowe is so inspiring. Trust me, in the room when he's speaking, everyone genuinely listens. He is so passionate about what he does. And trust me, the kids really get behind his vision. And actually, importantly, they actually get their own vision. They actually want to make things happen themselves for their own community, and they know how to make it happen through STEM. So if you want to find out more information, go on to the t3alliance.org website. You can find about the program, about various events, there are courses, there's all this stuff out there that can get you involved in making STEM happen. And I love the idea of getting again students into doing micro grants, literally getting properly funded to do real stuff. How great is that? So that is enough of this particular podcast. I hope you had a bit of fun listening into this and I hope you've taken a few ideas down about how you can potentially get involved or at the very least emulate what is going on. Students will love it. You've been listening to me, Ben Newsom from Physics Education. This is the Physics Ed Podcast and I hope to catch you another time. You've been listening to another Physics Ed Podcast. We're excited about science. Subscribe to us on iTunes to download the next episode as soon as it's released. And don't forget, for hundreds of ideas, free experiments, our new Be Amazing book and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. AEON.net.au